What is going on, Devils fans? Welcome to the Trap Podcast. I am your host, Bill Botch. It has been a uh, a rough week. Devils are coming off of the high of the Rangers series, and they've stepped into a hurricane. How's everybody doing? It is Saturday, May 6th at noon. Um... This one is going to be pretty straightforward. This seems like a very easy two games for me to diagnose. Um, you know, I was definitely scared that the Devils were going to have a little bit of a emotional hangover after that series versus the Rangers, and rightfully so. I mean, that was big. It was the first playoff series that the team has won in 11 years, and you knew it took a lot out of them. And, um, shit, it took a lot out of us as fans. I mean, that was a very tense series, having to come back from being down two games. Um, you, you wondered what they were going to look like coming into Carolina, who's rested and only on a day's rest for the Devils. So when they got blown out in game one, it really started in the first period. They had a really bad first period, they were down 2 nothing. Goals from Pesci and Seth Jarvis. Um, and you could tell the Devils did not start on time. Which has been an issue with the Devils um, during the regular season more than in the playoffs. But you can't afford to give up. You know, throughout the, the regular season, the Devils would give up early goals. And then they would be able to fight their way back and pull games out despite giving teams an early lead. That's harder to do in the playoffs, and it's especially harder to do when you're playing versus a team like the Carolina Hurricanes. I mean, they're built to protect the lead. Um, So I thought that the team played a lot better in the second and in the third period of game one on Wednesday, but it still was not up to par. There were multiple guys that... I really felt were liabilities on the ice. And for the most part, I, I didn't think they brought the intensity that is deserved in a playoff game. First is was Jesper Boquist. Another guy was Yegor Sharangovich. Um, and this is not me picking on players or anything. I'm just giving you my honest analysis as to what I saw during the games. So the third was... Jesper Bratt, I thought our defensive core looked very sloppy and we're really getting pinned in our own zone. Carolina likes to play below the goal line. They like, you know, their whole game is forechecking and uh, they stay above pucks. They're just really, really structured and they have are really fundamentally sound and they're not going to be like the Rangers, where if you give up a two-goal lead in the first period, they're going to be very hard to come back on. You did see Nate Bastion's goal, and you thought to yourself, all right, if we can get one more, we're right back in this. But 
goals are <clears throat> goals are going to be a lot harder to come by this series, despite Freddie Anderson in net, who played well. He had, I mean, we had like 17 shots in the entire game. And if you go through and you look at, you know, we had one shot in the first period. You can't win like that. And the shot was like, really, it was it was a dump in. Um, the, the officiating ha has been just brutal. And this, the Devils did not lose these two games because of officiating. But there are plays that are worth bringing up if we're going to talk about the games. One, I mean, the ball trip was a bad call. The, the helmet, you can't punch a player's helmet or rip a player's helmet off of his head and not call a penalty if you're going to force the guy to have to leave the ice. So that happened to Siegenthaler. Again, that's the second time this has happened to him. So there's obviously, there is, you know, there's a workaround in the rule. If you rip a player's helmet off, you should have to, that should be an automatic penalty. Because the player is allowed to stay in the game until the play is over, which is so vague. That is something that is determined by the officiating crew. And the officiating in the, in the Stanley Cup, the playoffs, has just been, it's been so god-awful. It's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for the league. I really am. And it goes both sides. You know, there was a clear face-off win that was won by using his hand to pass the puck back. There's just been, it's been rough. And like Wes McCauley, I'm, I'm so, it's, it's not just one ref, it's, it's multiple. And I've heard that it's because, well, a lot of the senior guys, this is kind of like the end for them. They've been forced to bring in a bunch of young kids who are kind of trying to, you know, get their first wave of regular season officiating. But the older crew, I mean, it's like uh, Wes McCauley is like a, he puts on a show. It's like, dude, no one gives a shit about you. Everything is about him. He has to be, he has to be such a smart ass. But the, the officiating in the entire playoffs has been god awful. It's not fair to eat any of the players, regardless of what team you're rooting for. Um, so they end up, they have to pull Schmid. This is kind of becoming a thing now. And you're like, okay, Schmid is not necessarily looking like the player he was in the Ranger series. Um, although the, the goals in game one, I don't think were his fault, to be honest with you. I think it was just, uh, trying to get a little bit momentum we have a very capable goalie on the bench to where give Schmid some rest, bring Vanacek in, wake your team up. So I, I totally understand all that. So to me, it was let's see what happens and let's see what team we get in game two. We knew that they were going to have a hangover. They looked decent through periods two and three, and I was fine with it. Um. I definitely think I, I was fine. I knew that there were going to be lineup changes made, and rightfully so. I think, um, 
you know, I, I looked at, I just didn't think the team brought enough, brought enough intensity to the game. They weren't playing, to me, they weren't playing like they deserved to be, um, they deserved to be on the ice for a playoff game. And who the hell is Jesper Boquist and Yegor Sharangovich to not bring intensity? It should be the other way around. They should be the most intense players on the ice. So when Ruff made his lineup changes for game two, I was cool with it. You brought Wood in, um, you had you brought Lazar in, and you put Tatar, Heesher, and Brat together, Halla, Hughes, and Palat, Meyer, McLeod, Mercer, Wood, Lazar, and Bastion. I thought there was a chance. I didn't think Ball played that good. I did not think Graves played that good. I'm really concerned about Jesper Bratt at this point. Um, we, we can get into Let's get into Jesper Bratt, Timo Meyer, and Nico Heischer. They've obviously gone on this incredible, like, unheard of goal drought. This is... Um, <clears throat> this is uh, th this is too important and too many players who are foundational pieces to us winning that are not scoring goals. So over the course of the playoffs, Timo Meyer has 32 shots on goal, 21 high danger scoring chances and zero goals. Nico has 24 shots on goal, 23 high danger scoring chances and zero goals. And you get into Jesper Bratt, he has about half of what Timo Meyer had, 17 shots on goal. The guy refuses to shoot the puck. I don't know what the deal is. I mean, and he has 12 high danger chances, which is half of what Nico and Timo have. And he's got one goal, which was an empty net goal. It's like all of this talk about the Bratt contract that has led into last year and has bled into this year. And then we pick up Timo Meyer, and he's going to be looking for a contract. And people want to talk about, well, you can't really give Meyer more money than you give Bratt. And that's what they were saying at the end of this regular season. All that is out the window at this point. Um, you know, this is something that I've worried about with Jesper Bratt for a long time. A long time. I have been very vocal about you cannot pay Jesper Bratt like he is a franchise player or like he is a... He can't drive play solo, period. So you see how you put Timo Meyer on the third line and the guy can drive play. The difference between all these guys not scoring in the playoffs is you can see the impression on the games from Timo Meyer and from Nico Heischer despite not scoring that doesn't let them off the hook for not having any goals and not finishing. The Devils cannot win if neither of those guys can score goals, period. But at least you see what Nico Heischer is doing on the penalty kill. 200-foot player. He's involved in the game over and over and over. I mean, Timo Meyer left an impression on the Ranger series. He might have been, for someone that didn't get on the scorecard, he might have left the biggest impression out of anybody in that series. Eric Halla or, or, or Schmid. But let's be real. I mean, Timo Meyer was living rent-free in the Rangers' head because he was so physical and he was under their skin. He was on top of Shesterkin and he, 
he made himself a force. Jesper Bratt has not made himself a force at all. He had the play that led to the Dougie Hamilton goal in game three that was beautiful. I'm taking no credit away from him. Besides that, the guy has been missing it in action. And I, I, you cannot pay this guy. His agent's costing him a lot of money. And you look at, like, the Carolina Hurricanes and how we played versus them in the regular season and the way that they're playing right now. More so Carolina than the way that we played versus them. This is a team built for the playoffs. There's a difference between teams built for the playoffs and teams that can win in the regular season. We've seen it year and year and time and time again. The Devils are in no position to pay Jesper Bratt over $7 million. If you can't play and you don't show up in the playoffs and you're a perimeter player, he is just getting knocked off of pucks way too easily. And the only reason that I'm harping on him is because he is such an important piece to the team. So while I'm not, I'm not trying to, this isn't a bash Jesper Bratt situation. This is evaluate the entire team, try to figure out where our money is best spent. So you don't have to match Timo Meyer and Jesper Bratt's contract like people were talking about earlier in the year. He's going to get paid. He should be paid. He's going to get a raise. But it has to be realistic. And when you see the way that he is basically, he's nowhere to be found, that's a red flag. I want playoff players. This is a team that's going to be in the playoffs, hopefully, for a long time. We don't need guys that disappear. You see the kind of trouble it gets your team into when you look at the Rangers and you look at Panarin. Being a perimeter player does not work. You have to be able to play in the middle of the ice. You have to be able to play some sort of physicality. It's okay if you have one player like that, but like, you know, if you have, if you're the Flames and you have a Johnny Gaudreau, but the rest of your team is very physical and very deep and very heavy. It's like the Devils can get away with having a Jack Hughes because the rest of their team, you want them to be physical and heavier and good on the four check and stuff like that. Jesper Bratt's none of those. And I just thought he was very weak on pucks. He lost pretty much every battle there was. And we can get into last night's game. So if you get into game two, you were expecting to see a different kind of team and a different look from the team. They, get, they come out, and they end up, they get two power plays. Right off, the, right off the bat, you're coming out fresh. You know this is a game you have to win. You're on the road. You get a chance on the man advantage, and you don't take advantage of it. Despite them working the puck around pretty well, Dougie Hamilton hitting a post, the Devils are now 0 for 17 versus the Carolina Hurricanes this season with four goals against, four shorthanded goals. That's a problem. You can't expect to win in the playoffs if your power play sucks. Everybody ran Mark Recchi out of town last year. Not that he didn't deserve it, but let's be real. Our power play is, it was better in the regular season. It has not been good. At some point, you have to make the players accountable. 
I'm talking about fans. I'm not even talking about the coaches. I think the coaches are kind of trying to do the right thing. They have the right people out there. They're trying to move the puck around. We have a very stagnant power play. Jack Hughes does not do a good job gaining the blue line on the power play when he carries the puck in. I think they should be moving the puck around in the neutral zone to and use Hughes' speed to back up defenders, give themselves a little space, dish it off, and gain the blue line and start to move the puck around. It has not happened. This is a... This is a situation where Jesper Bratt is very useful to where I think he has more control gaining the blue line on the power play. Regardless, it's like everybody wanted Mark Recchi's head. The team was constantly booed on the power play last year. At some point, it's on the players. The players have to move. The players have to execute passes crisply. And they're not getting it done. So you were given a gift in the beginning of the game and you weren't able to take advantage of it. After that, I think about 10 minutes, 12 minutes into the first period, you saw the momentum, you saw the ice start to tilt, and Carolina really took it to the Devils. And you thought, shit, like, we had an opportunity and we're not able to take advantage of it. Not able to take advantage of it. So, <clears throat> it was really frustrating. The second period has been um, an incredible letdown game after game after game. The Devils did play good in period two in game seven versus the Rangers. Besides that, the Devils have been very weak in second periods. And to see them come out and play the way they did last night, um, I think it's a 50-50 split. And what I mean by that is I think that Carolina is that much better than us, and I think that the Devils played that played that week. And what it, what it came down to, it came down to board battles, loose puck battles, in front of the net. It was all Carolina. The Devils have not been able to skate with the team. They have not been able to... I mean, you saw the hit on Graves, followed by the hit on Heischer. The hit on Heischer, this is an open ice hit, for the most part. Um, it was an open ice hit. And this is the difference between the Truba hit on Meyer and the and the Kaktaniemi hit on Heischer. This is at the beginning of a series. It's a tie game, or or they might have been up by one at that point. And he's just skating with his head down. It was a clean hit. And that's the kind of thing that got the entire building going. And from that point forward, we were just, we were living in the hurricane's world. Let's be real. There's a difference between doing it with 12 minutes left in a game seven when you're down by two and doing it at the beginning of the series and really putting the nail in the coffin as far as last night goes. Because after that hit and after the Graves hit, the whole vibe changed. The Devils got completely outworked. They got out hit. I don't care what the stat sheet says. It was just, it was total domination. That second period was gross. 
and it didn't get any better in the third period. And you cannot come back from this team if you're down. Shit, if you're down by two goals, they're very hard to come back from. You're not coming back from three or four. And to be honest with you, this is a devil's podcast, and I love this team, and they've been incredibly resilient. You're going to say, how could you say this after what we just watched in the previous series? It is going to be so much harder for the Devils to come back in this series by being down two games than it would than it was versus the Rangers. Just because of the style of play. The leadership. They don't have a bunch of guys who are one-trick ponies. They have a bunch of guys that are bought into a system led by a very good head coach who they play his brand of hockey. And everybody that watched Rob Brindamore knows the deal. Like, he's not going to be easy to play against. He's going to do all the little things. And we don't look like we're up for it. I don't see... There would have to be a very drastic change to see a a reason for the Devils to come out and think that they're going to be able to win four of the next six games. They've been outscored 11-2. to two. You've had Schmid pulled in his last two games, which is now three of his last five games. It's not, it doesn't look good. So if I'm going into game three, you know, there was a bunch of there was a bunch of coaching. First of all, shout out to Lindy Ruff. Lindy Ruff is up for the Jack Adams Award for best coach in the league. A guy who was basically they were trying to run him out of town in his first home game of the season. So congratulations to him. I think he's done amazing with the player development. He's done amazing with the kids. Um <clears throat> for a guy that changes up the lineups and everything as much as he does, he's made the right call about 90% of the time. I mean, we have disagreements about what we think we should do with Miles Wood and Brendan Smith, but for the most part, he's handled and he's managed this roster really well. I think the, the players all love him too. So um, congratulations to Lindy Ruff. Well-deserved um, the the turnaround that he that he helped and managed with the team this year was is really it's literally second to none i think it was the it was the best turnaround in the history of the league from where the devils finished last season to where we finished this season so um congratulations to him congratulations to nico Heischer on the um selkie award nomination as well you know in the beginning of the season i said if nico was able to net 30 goals i think he's going to be a selkie candidate and sure enough um and it sounds like, yeah, I mean, obviously, but at the time, Nico had only scored 20 goals in his in his first five seasons, so it was a pretty big, um, a pretty big jump for him. It was a career season for sure. I think he's getting some national um, attention, which is well deserved, but he definitely needs to produce in the playoffs. And at this point, it's been like 20 games since he scored a goal. That's not so good. That's not a good look. Yeah, so you go into to game three. We're, I, I'm going Vanacek in game three at this point. Um, you know, people talk about Luke Hughes. I just think that this is like the worst situation to put Luke Hughes in, to be honest with you. I would have much rather seen him play last 
series. Just the way that Carolina plays, they have speed and they like to dump and chase. And like for a young kid, when you're having someone barreling down on you from behind over and over and over for checking, I mean, it could lead to a lot of mental mistakes. Obviously, Graves has not played great. And Ball has not looked the same in the past three games as he did in the entire Ranger series, which he was phenomenal. Um, so it seems like a very tough situation to put him in and see him succeed. But at this point, I'm open to whatever, and I, I trust whatever decision Ruff makes. Uh, you know, the only other option is Brendan Smith. They played Lazar last night, who had a couple nice plays, but they played Timo with him at one point, and I thought that that was, didn't really make much sense. I would probably put, I mean, the Brat's not going, Heischer's not going, Jack skated with the puck last night, but he hasn't really done much. Meyer isn't going. That's a problem. When Mike McLeod, who, God damn, Mike McLeod, shout out to him. But it's a problem when Mike McLeod looks like your best player. That's not so good. He's earning himself a contract for sure. I think he's been probably the best devil in the series. Um, you have to switch up the lines. You're probably going to put the Tatar, Heischer, Mercer line back together. And then if you want to just front load the second line and put Meyer with Hughes and Bratt and then Palat, Halla, maybe Boquist or Sharon Govich and then probably the BMW line together. Either way, uh, I do not feel very confident if I'm just being completely honest. I'm not trying to suck the life out of our fan base we still have, this is why they play the game. So there is still a chance. I just feel like the structure that the Hurricanes play with is something that we have to adapt to very, very quickly. Otherwise, this series could be over before it even started. It's not fair to our goaltending either. I mean, lines are just getting caved in on. It did not look good. We're just getting outworked. I mean, sometimes it's very simple. Like, we've been outworked. And we've, you know, you, you take away a positive sometime when you see us, like, kind of skating with the puck on our stick a lot. They're not giving us, they're blocking shots. They're not giving us any clear, any clear looks. They're keeping things to the outside. They move the puck really well. They're playing with speed. Freddie Anderson looks pretty good. I think he is definitely our opportunity to we can we can take advantage of Freddie Anderson. But you got to get pucks to the net. Just funnel pucks to the net and try to create a rebound. Everything does not have to be a tic-tac-toe one-timer or this or that. Sometimes you just need a couple garbage goals. Get you going. And I think us, that goes for our best players. Like That's why I kind of really like Timo's game because he just throws pucks on net. This is a series where Meyer should 
have a serious impression. It's going to be a physical, big, clunky, scrappy series. It's like throw pucks on net. He he he's just snake bit so bad. He had a great opportunity last night that couldn't couldn't convert on, but I don't know, man. Not feeling great. I'm not. I'm sorry to be a Debbie Downer, guys. I really am. But I don't want to bullshit you guys either. So tomorrow, a matinee game. Maybe we'll get the kids in the building, get some life into these into this team. Anything can happen. You win one tomorrow, and we're right back at it. And then it's like one one foot in front of the other. That's the way I'm looking at it right now. I think you're going to see some serious lineup changes tomorrow. And um, we have to bring energy to the rock. We got to have that place rocking. I know, I know they really got blown away in the first two games, but we saw it happen in the last series too. We're, let's go in with some energy. I got the pickle coming into town. I'm bringing my son William. I'm bringing my son Bo. And we're going to make a day of it. So if you guys are out and about, hanging out around the arena prior to the game, feel free to come over and say hello and talk some hockey with us. But um, I want to thank you guys too. Uh, Sam Wu hit me up and told me that the podcast showed me, a, sent me a link saying that the podcast is now top 50 hockey podcast in the country. It's kind of exciting. So that's kind of cool. Didn't even know where to look for that. So thank you, Sam. And uh, thank you to everybody that's shown a ton of support over this uh, this past season. It's had, It's been a lot of fun. So um, with that said, it's about that time. See everybody tomorrow at The Rock. My name is Bill Botch. You've been listening to The Trap Podcast. I hope you guys all have an amazing weekend. Peace.